But we spent the last four weeks in a series called Where's My American Dream? And um, if you're new with us, you can go back and watch any of those. But we just started looking at some of the key issues that all of us have been talking about and concerned about with the election. And um, what we've been trying to say in the midst of all this is there's, an, there's a kingdom, right? There's a kingdom. America is a country. It's a, it's a place. And we, and we love, I, I've loved living here for 51 years. I love this country. It's a, it's a great culture and there's been many good things within it. <clears throat> but when um, the culture around us see, fear, starts to feel a little shaky, when some of the things that maybe have been a part of our life, almost all of our existence, we wonder if they're still going to be there. <clears throat> One of the key things that needs to happen is we need to know that God has a kingdom too. And that's what we've been looking at for the last four weeks. Is The truth is you can live in America and you can live in God's kingdom at the same time. And so we looked at these things. We looked at the whole issue of security and found out that the Bible actually tells us that God wants to show to us, he wants to make known to all of us a path that leads to life. And that that path is when we have no other gods before him because when we put anything else above God, then we get shaky <laughs> because we feel like we could lose those things. We, what happens if this is all of a sudden isn't the same as it used to be? And so God says, I, I have a path for you. And, and then he says, I have a secure presence for you. <laughs> Me, <laughs> I'll be with you. The verse we looked at, David said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. And then we talked, he said, there's a secure pleasure knowing that we'll be in heaven forever. So the whole issue of security, whether we have that or not, when we go to the mall or school or work or across the seas, he goes, you can have security in my kingdom. Then we looked at opportunity, the whole issue of the economy, and realized that there's high risk. Again, same thing. When we put our devotion and personal gain and put our hope in wealth, then that makes it shaky. But if we put our hope in God and we're devo devoted to communal, to the community instead of ourselves, then we can be at rest. We talked about tolerance, the fact that we need to take a stand on what we believe in. Just by definition of tolerance means you take a stand, but it also means you coexist and you live at peace with everyone as far as, as it is up to you. You bless those who insult you, you do good, and you're always prepared. You, we, we talked about that, and then last week we talked about justice and this issue that we are going to build relationships with people who maybe aren't like us so that we can have a heart and care for everyone to have justice in America. All right? And so now, it's two days away. <laughs> Y'all ready? <laughs> two days. Isn't that weird, man? It's like Christmas. You wait, 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 and all of a sudden, it's here. <laughs> now the election's here. Maybe it's not like Christmas, but. <laughs> all right. So as I go into the message today, the first thing we're going to do, because we have a very, very special time set up at the end. We're going to you, you let this kingdom come, right? It comes from the Lord's Prayer where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, <laughs> and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to look at prayer today. Um, before we do that, because we have a special time at the end, I'm going to go ahead and take our offering right now, okay? So if you came prepared to give, um, please, please go ahead and get ready for that. Again, I just want to say, if you're visiting with us, if you're here as a guest, thank you so much just for being here. You don't have to worry about this moment unless you want to freely give, that's fine. Most of us, actually, I just want to remind us, most of us have just set this up right online. 
We just give, as soon as my paycheck comes in to my bank, it just shoots right back out a tithe to K2. It just makes it so super easy. So I encourage you to do that. Also, if you have the K2 app, you can simply give right there. It takes like 10, 15 seconds once you've set that up, all right? But we also have our greeters here, and we're going to go ahead. You guys go ahead and start taking the offering as I jump in now to this whole issue of how we're going to pray knowing that this election is two days away. What's interesting, I, if you're like me, you, find, you, you probably find yourself praying um, not very often. There's, a lot of, there's times in my life when I have everything, it seems everything's under control, and I don't really find a need to pray. But when things are out of my control, <laughs> I'm like, God, please help me. Anybody else out there? That's when we pray, right? So, re, here's what we got to remember today. Thy kingdom come. That God actually longs to bring his kingdom into our world. Here's a few things we need to remember about prayer. He wants us to ask for things. He listens when we pray in accordance with his will, and he responds to our prayers. There's a crazy verse in the Bible that says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. The prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bible, go ahead and pull it up on your phone. Um, Again, if you have the K2 app, all the scripture and all my notes are in the app, and you can follow that along with me as I go through this message. All right? Um, I am gonna, I'm going to pray. Oh, you guys are taking the offering. I, um, go ahead and keep your eyes open if you need to. But I just, I just want to pray. <laughs> okay? You probably already do, right? <laughs> no, I bow my head and fold my hands. No. So, um, but I just want to pray before I even read his word. Okay? That his word will be alive. The Bible says it's alive and it's active. That God can actually speak to us today. He can, he can teach us things today. He can correct some things today. And I really do, as I think about what I'm going to talk to you about today, there's just some thinking that I know I struggle to have. And I think there's probably some thoughts that you have as well that I think this teaching today will hopefully change, okay? So let's ask him to do that for us today. God, would you come this morning out of your grace and your mercy and just help us Help us to have an open heart, ready to hear from you. I pray that our minds would be renewed today, that we might know the truth about who you are and who we are in this life that you've given us. I thank you for your presence here, and I'm just going to ask that your word would be powerful today. On our behalf, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Chapter 4, verse 23. Here's the setting real quick. So Acts is the story, right, of how the church grew. So right after Jesus rose from the dead and then was ascended into heaven, he filled his his, uh, disciples, his followers, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church actually started. So in chapter 3, Peter and John heal a man who was born lame. And so it kind of, again, people are like, okay, wow, there's a power out there we haven't seen. What, what's this all about? They share the gospel. They share the good news of Christ. At this point, 5,000 people had put their faith in Christ. It's absolutely crazy. 
Well, uh, the leaders weren't too excited about that. So the, listen to this, this crew. The priests, the captain of the guard, the Sadducees, the rulers, the elders, and the teacher of the law. <laughs> so pretty much anybody who had any authority whatsoever came and they grabbed Peter and John and they put them in prison and then they sat before them and they said, okay, man, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop talking about this. And they made great threats. But then they released them. And here's where we are in verse 23. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Here's what I want to talk about to you today. My three points are this, a few things about prayer. Um, We need to remember the power of the one that we actually pray to. And then I'm going to talk about how we actually need to pray for the power of the government. And then we're going to talk about how we need to pray for the power to be bold. Okay? So let's look at this first one. Remember the power of who you're praying to. So God calls us to pray, man. He's asking us to do this. In verse 24, it says, Sovereign Lord, right? So they start right off, and they declare who God is. He's sovereign. But what does that mean? If someone is sovereign, then they possess supreme and ultimate power. What they say goes. So we got to remember that this is the power of our God. He has supreme power and authority. And then they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And I'm not going to camp on this one, but it was really, really interesting to me as I just searched the scriptures to find where where does uh, the Bible talk about God's sovereignty. There's a lot of it in the Psalms. Right, David is constantly crying out and asking God to help him in the midst of trouble, right? He needs to know that God has power. And what's interesting is how many times, whenever they're talking about his power and his sovereignty, they add in the fact that he's the creator. (laughs) He's the creator. And so, in Colossians chapter 1, here's one example. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Listen, whether thrones... Powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, I think the reason they they stop and they want us, and you need to remember when you pray to God, no matter what's going on in the world, if he's the creator of everything, when your existence is dependent on another, the other has supreme authority over you. And we need to remember, according to the Bible, Every power, every ruler, every authority, everything, every throne was created by him and for him. 
So there is nothing on this earth that has more authority than God. He alone is sovereign. He goes on, verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord, against the anointed one. Now this is so interesting. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles. So now you've got the Roman Empire, people with absolute rule and authority, right? Who, was, who were sovereign in that time of day politically. They got together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did, but listen to this verse. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Isn't that interesting? See, they thought they had absolute power and authority and they were doing exactly what they wanted to do. But God's up there going, yeah, yeah, actually you're doing what I want you to do. (laughs) Now, as I was thinking about this, this is really interesting. I started thinking about for there to be sovereignty, it implies two things. Power and will. So it's the authority to govern and to accomplish one's purpose. If, you have, if you're governing, then you have a purpose, but you also have the power to be able to do it. And right here in this verse, it says they did what your power and will had decided. So I started thinking, is there ever a time in my life where I've twi- tried to conspire against sovereignty, right? Or, or when I've wanted to be sovereign. I don't know about you. I'm a dad. I want to be sovereign in my home. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want power, and I want my purpose to be done. But actually, I stopped for a moment, and I thought about my mom. I love my mom so much, man. But that woman, she grew up on a farm right in the heart of Michigan, and she was tough. And I remember one night, we were having family night. We were watching a movie on the TV, and my older brother, Mark, kept messing with him, he kept bugging me, and he kept bugging me, and finally I just blew up, and I started screaming at him and yelling at him, and my mom came over, and she literally picked me up and threw me across the room, (laughs) and this was the middle of winter in Michigan, and she said, David, get outside and stack the wood, and I go, for how long? Until it's done, so I went outside, freezing cold temperatures. Everybody else is inside with the fireplace watching a movie. And I sat out in the middle of winter (laughs) stacking wood until who knows when. I realized something on that day. My mom is sovereign. (laughs) She has power. And I'm talking physical power to throw me across the room. And she had purpose. My mom had purpose. You know what was so cool, man? There was no one else on this planet that I knew loved me more than my mom. So let's look at the power of God. He has power to create something out of nothing. To give life and to take it away at any moment. To overcome kings and armies. He has power over nature. Nature. All through the Old Testament, the Israelites were in awe of the power of God. Mainly when you read the Psalms, they constantly go back to Egypt. And they remember being under the power and the authority of Pharaoh. And yet God had power and authority over nature. And he sent all the plagues. 
and then he split open the Red Sea and allowed them to go through on dry land, and then it covered them back up. I think the Israelites figured out God's a little more powerful, <laughs> even more than Pharaoh. And you know what else the Israelites found out? God had power to use foreign countries to overthrow them <laughs> and to send them into exile. <laughs> And they would be like, whoa, 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 wait, I, I, where, are your, where are your kids? He goes, yeah, I know, I know, but I got to send you to time out. <laughs> like the Babylon? Uh-huh. God had authority and power over all nations, even those that weren't his. And then with Jesus, look at this, man. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Now listen, we gotta understand this. Right now, November 6th and two days from now on November 8th, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God. And every time you hear right hand in the Bible, it's the sign for power. It's where the authority rests. And Jesus Christ, who created all things, where all rulers, all authorities, all powers were created by him and for him, right now, he's at the right hand of God with all authority. Look at this, verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Can I get an amen? See, this is why, this is what I'm saying. Do you, do you know this? Or is this one of those, like I say all the time, there's so many things I know that I don't believe. Because if you, some, you go, well, yeah, I know the Bible says that. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? But when you believe that, your soul's at rest. And you can actually be at peace because he's sovereign. And he has power over everything. But now let's look at purpose. Here's a great example in the Old Testament, Psalm 33. says, starting with verse 8, says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. Here, see it again. They're going to talk about his creative power. Because there's nothing that exists without him. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart through all generations. This is what we gotta believe. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Anybody else got plans in your heart? <laughs> I got so many plans in my heart. I am so grateful because lots of times my plans just aren't that great. They're goofy, and I am so grateful that God's purpose is going to prevail. And if I believe that, then my heart can be at rest. Yeah. Can we believe that for the United States of America? Can we believe that 
whether you're Democratic or Republican, whether you're Hillary or whether you're Trump, can we believe that no matter what plan is in their heart, God's purposes are going to prevail? Amen. See, that is good news. And so, in Genesis 50, 20, jo Joseph, this great story, right, where his, his brothers actually take him and they, they, they throw him for dead and then they sell him off to be a slave and he ends up again, this is the whole way the Israelites actually ended up in Egypt. When he finally sees his brother at the end, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, I got to tell you, man, when Joseph got thrown in the pit, when he was faithful in prison and nobody told him what he'd done, he had to stay in prison for longer, when he was faithful to not be sexually tempted and fall to Potiphar's wife and he did what was right, and then Potiphar gets even more angry. I mean, the guy kept doing what was right and what was right and what was right, and everybody kept doing what was wrong. And somehow he hung in there. And then at the end, he's like, oh, God was up to all this. <laughs> you thought you were harming me. But God was sovereign. And he got me into the very place of authority in Egypt so that thousands could be saved. Amen. See, this is the story of Acts 4. It was exactly what happened with Jesus. They did Potiphar, I mean Potiphar, I'm sorry, get to the New Testament. Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Jewish leaders did what your power, what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And you know what's cool? See, Jesus knew that his father was sovereign. Amen. He knew. And because he knew he could totally surrender his life to God. And even though it looked super dark, and even though it was horribly evil and unbelievably unjust what happened to Jesus, God was actually over it all. And it provided the salvation for the world. Today, Tuesday, and every day that follows, we pray to the sovereign God who has ultimate power and purposes that cannot be thwarted. Amen. That's what we have to believe. Right. Now, my mom's sovereignty had profound effect on me. <laughs> Through my mom, I actually learned how to respect authority. Her power and her good purpose did good things for me. But I also want to say that God's sovereignty helps me as well, and I hope it'll help you to respect authority. See, because I can know, no matter what happens, that he is ultimately in control. And if he is, then I can submit to authority. And so can you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 16 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, right, or who president, as we're going to have, as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Romans 13, 1. 
says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority, this is so interesting, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You guys know what that means? God is totally involved on Tuesday. He's totally involved. He is not up there going, man, I hope, I wonder who's going to win. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. I love this in John chapter 19 when Jesus was under trial with Pilate. It said, Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? See, he thought he was sovereign. And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Fascinating. Herod, Pontius Pilate, Jewish leaders conspired against Jesus. They had power, but it was given to them from above to accomplish God's purposes. Can I ask you guys a question? Uh, I'm going to step out on a limb here for a little bit. How many of you feel like America has been getting closer to God? Okay, maybe I should ask this. How many of you feel like America is getting farther away from God? Okay, now we all talk about, we understand that insanity is wanting a different result by doing the same thing. Would it surprise you that maybe God wants to do a course correction? (laughs) with America, because apparently what's been going on isn't working, as far as what matters eternally. Trust him on Tuesday, with no matter who gets in power, because he's actually ultimately in power, and he's got way bigger issues going on than just what happens in America. God cares what happens to people for eternity, okay? So, And the fact that they're going to have power, then number two, we better pray for the power of the government. Straight on, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says this. Paul says, I urge you, okay? Urge, man, Paul, like serious, I'm serious about this. First of all, okay, now he's going, I'm urging you and I'm urging you first. More important than anything else. Pray. That petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, right there, you guys, God is actually concerned about this. He wants every person to be saved. He wants every person to be in eternity with him forever. And so he says, okay, so pray. Romans 13, 4 says, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. All right? So that's why government exists. God actually establishes authority for your good. They're his servant. And that's why national security matters. (laughs) Because the government should be taking care of us, right? And helping us be a safe nation. That's why there's laws and the enforcement of those laws for safety, for the economy, for justice. Everything we've been talking about actually really matters to God. And we need to pray no matter who gets in office. 
We need to pray for who gets in office, and we need to pray that no matter who's in office, we'll actually govern for our good. God wants us to pray for that. And he says, why, this pleases me. He says, why? Because then I really want you to live peaceful and quiet lives. Isn't that cool? I mean, God wants that. He goes, this is good, and it pleases me, our Savior. Savior. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so we, I, I just want to remind us of that. That God's ways are good, man. When, when the government follows God's ways and we can pray and prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective, that they would, might listen to God, that God would be gracious and move upon them to give them wisdom to make decisions that are actually for our good. And we need to do that. Now, Sometimes what the government or culture espouses goes against God. And here's what's interesting. The early Christian leaders spent a lot of time in jail. I know this is the good part here. All of Jesus' apostles except John were killed for their faith. Now what I'm, what I'm saying with that is this. I, I, I'm not expecting that in this, after this election, but here's what I, I am saying. They knew God was in control. They prayed for those who were in authority. But we got to remember, right? It said when they, when they looked at them and they said, hey, you got to shut up, and if you don't, we're actually going to punish you, they, they simply looked at them and they said, hey, are we going to listen to you or listen to God? <laughs> and so they, they, they decided, and this is the third thing we need to pray for today. For, for us as Christians, if the government begins to espouse things that are opposite of God in his ways, we need to pray for the power to be bold. Okay? We got to pray for this power to not cave in and just go along with society and culture. We got to stand strong. Look at this, verse 29. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. What is the word of God? I'm going to say this right now, you guys. The church, they're the only, I mean, there's a lot of people who do a lot of good things on the earth, but the church is the only group of people who actually speak the Word of God. What is the Word of God? I started to think, well, it's everything he said, so that's kind of hard to get into. I don't have time. (laughs) But Jesus said this. He said, all of the law, everything that's in there hinges on this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, guys. Who else is going to say that but us? Who else is going to say, who's not, because in our culture, so much is, follow your heart. Whatever makes you happy, do that. No, 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 no. That's what screws everything up. (laughs) Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the word of God. But here's the other thing. But you know what, what Peter and John, why they got so much trouble is what they were saying was, guess what, guys? Hey, here's the issue. Yeah, you're supposed to love God and love your neighbor, but you can't do it. You're not very good. I'm not very good at loving God, right? We say this here all the time. So the word of God that needs to be boldly spoken is the gospel. 
The word of God that the church needs to share with the rest of the world is that you, yeah, it is good news. And here, here's what it is, is that the truth is you, we don't love each other very well. America, we've been talking about this whole series, is getting more divided and more divided. There's more violence. There's problems here. We can't come together, even when you want to. Even when coexist lists on the back of someone's car. It just ain't happening. The only way you can actually love one another and love God is you actually hit a got to get a new heart. And Jesus, this is what they were proclaiming, and this is the only, we're the only people, you guys, who are going to do this. Hey, world, you can get a new heart, but you got to confess to God that you don't follow him, man. you got to confess to God that you are full of what he calls sin, and it separated you from him. And then you got to put your faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, so you never have to pay for it. So you could be totally forgiven of all of your sin, so that you could be reconciled back to God. And you can! This, this is the good news! Your heart can be reconnected with God, and his spirit can live inside you. If you receive him, he will abide in you and he will begin to change your heart and your heart now will want to love God and want to love everybody. And I'm saying everybody. And that's what the world needs and we're the ones, and I'm telling you what though, if we proclaim that, people don't like that very much. But we're gonna need some boldness. And what's crazy is the best and the brightest in all of scripture needed divine power and help through the Holy Spirit, to proclaim this. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. He goes, pray for me, right? This is a super apostle. He goes, pray for me, that whatever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He was in prison for doing that. So he's saying, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now here's what I know. Most of us who are Christians in here are scared to death to let anybody know. We're scared to death to share our faith. Because, and the, and the biggest fear is usually because we fear we're going to be rejected. So these guys were scared too, which always helps me. I'm so glad to know Peter and John and, and Paul were scared too. So what did they do? They prayed and they asked for the Holy Spirit to come and empower them. So funny, last night, man, what some crazy football games on last night. I'm trying to watch Alabama and the LSU, hoping LSU would beat them. Yeah. I was trying to pray that Nebraska would take down Ohio State. Yeah. I must not be a very righteous man, because <laughs> they were not effective. <laughs> but right in the middle, as I'm watching this game, all of a sudden my TV goes blank. And I'm like, well, what's up with that? And um, so I go and I switch the input, make sure it's the right thing. And, and the TV kept say, saying it was just blank and then up in the corner. Well, actually on my TV, it floats around to make sure that you get it. And the, <laughs> and the word said, not supported. <laughs> not supported. I'm like, what the, what the, what the heck's that mean? Not supported. So <clears throat> with my technological advanced mind, I went back and I took the USB cable and I wiggled it and I pushed it in a little farther. And then the screen came on. <laughs> and here's what I realized. When that cable wasn't connected, it wasn't supported. Christian, here's what's true. If your cable is not connected, 
to the Holy Spirit of God, you won't be supported. And you'll be afraid. And you'll be weak. And the world will continue to get farther away from God. And we're the people who can say, you can be reconciled to God. You can change your heart. But these guys knew this, man, then you better pray for the power to be bold. Because on your own, you're not going to do it. We've got to ask for this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Can you guys, can, you just, can we all just agree on this? When you're afraid, it's not God. There's no fear in his spirit. We didn't get a spirit of fear or timidity. So when we're timid and, oh, I don't want to do that, it ain't God. He gave us a spirit of what? Power and love. I actually love you, and I'm willing to risk sharing with you about Christ so that you can get reconciled to God and not put your hope in the American dream, but instead of the kingdom of God who can settle to you at rest and send you into eternity forever and self-control. Philippians 1.20, Paul said this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. We need courage to do it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We will, here at K2, declare the Word of God boldly. Amen. We're never going to stop. I have no hope whatsoever in anything but in the blood of Jesus Christ on my behalf who took away my sin and filled me with his spirit and gave me the certainty of eternal life. I have no other hope and we're not going to share any other message. We're going to declare it here. But here's what I know. Not very many people, every time I go to a youth football game, I'm like, God, we ain't doing nothing. There's 50,000 people there. How many of them know this? Here's the truth. There's a ton of people who are never going to walk in here. Unless you invite them. You could do that. That would take some boldness to give an invitation to people you love and care so that they can come here and hear the good news of forgiveness for their sin in Christ. But I want to tell you what. The truth is, you need to be bold in your workplace. You need to be bold in your neighborhood. You need to be bold with your friends. You need to be bold with your family. The stakes are really high. And America is not on the trend of getting closer to God. And so America needs a church filled with the Holy Spirit who will declare the Word of God. Love Him. Love each other. Get your heart transformed by Jesus so that you can do both. And it needs you and me to do that. So the application today is really simple. We need to pray. And we need to remember that we pray to the sovereign God over everything. And we need to pray for our government. And we need to pray that he will make us bold. Would you imagine with me a church that actually had reckless faith enough to believe that God is sovereign? Picture this. What if all of us and everybody at second service walked out of, out of here this week and our hearts were so at peace no matter what happened on Tuesday? You know what happened? You'd be a witness to the rest of the world because they'd see your peace and they'd go, why do you have this? Why are you not freaking out? Remember what we talked about last week? Always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. Because my hope's not in this. 
come on. I got a God who's like totally been over. He's in control of all this whole thing. That's what we need. Imagine a church who had reckless enough faith to believe that God was sovereign. Imagine a church where there wouldn't be any shaking at all in, our, in, in this process, who lived at peace with everyone, right? Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. As far as possible to you, imagine a church, K2, that lived at peace with everyone. Imagine if we blessed and did good to those who cursed us. What if, they, if people insulted you for what you believe and instead of going, and, and you, you blessed them, you lifted them up and you did good. God says, man, you, that's what changes the world. Imagine if we were prepared to give the reason for the hope that we had. Imagine if you did it with gentleness and respect and, bold, and boldness. And I just want to say, man, as the darkness and the consequence of sin rises, imagine that there was a light that evoked peace and joy that couldn't be taken away, that couldn't be shaken no matter what happens, that had the hope of eternal life, and that had the power to love no matter what. Come on, you guys. That's us. That's us. That's the church. That's followers of Christ. That's those who live in the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth through us as it is in heaven. So here's how we're going to close today. We're going to pray. And I want to I I ask you to take these next 10, 15 minutes and make them as meditative as possible. Yes, meditation is actually a biblical thing. It means you center and you focus. Even as Carrie said in the beginning, fix your eyes on things above. Set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to pray together as a church. And I want to ask you with all that's within me, use this time to remember that he's sovereign. Get his heart for the government. Ask him to be bold within you. May the spirit who's present, because he is in this room right now, meet you. And then together we're going to pray. And we're going to remember that the prayers of, of righteous people are powerful and effective. And you know what's cool? The only reason I know I'm righteous, the only reason I know my prayers work, is because Jesus made me righteous. It's not because I'm anything. It's because he is everything. Okay? Jesus, take this time and meet us here. Hear our prayers.